in a series called Value Family Values. I thought it would be good before Thanksgiving and Christmas just to revisit uh, the value that our families have to us and hoping that we can all get together this Thanksgiving and this Christmas because we could not get together last Thanksgiving and Christmas. But maybe we need to just remind ourselves what, what takes place in a family? What values come out of a family? What values should we be teaching in our family? And I don't care where you are, if you're single, married, widow, widower, uh, young married couple with children, young married couple without children, all of us are in a family. And I hope these truths will help us to appreciate the family all the more. This past week, the election in Virginia, I think showed our country that parents are, want to be involved in their children's education, and, but that education begins at home. And uh, that's what I want us to remind us of in this series. I am going to the book of Deuteronomy this morning, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and uh, I'm going to the fifth chapter verse 32, and read through chapter 6, verse 9. I am reading from the Christian Standard Bible. If you want to follow it in your Bible, it'll be different. Or now I have to say, if you want to find it on your phone, I never thought I'd ever have to say that. So, so let's start with chapter 5, verse 32. Be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you, you are not to turn aside to the right or the left. Follow the whole instruction the Lord your God has commanded. You, so that you may live, prosper, and have a long life in the land. And this is the command, the stat, this is the command, the statutes and the ordinances the Lord your God has commanded me to teach so that you may follow them in the land you're about to enter and possess. Do this so that you may fear the Lord, your God, all the days of your life by keeping all the statutes and commands I am giving you, your son and your grandson, and so that you may have a long life. Listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly because the Lord your God, the Lord, the God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. And here, here's what he's saying. Listen, Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in the house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you give up, get up. Bind them as a symbol on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. And that's the word of God for the people of God. Pray with me. Now, Father, I pray that you would pour through me the gift of preaching. Take these human words and use them to speak to us today. I pray, Father, that you will give each of us just 
the message that you want us to hear today. And we pray to you in the name of Jesus. And all God's people join me and said, Amen. There was a mother who was preparing her teenage daughter for her first date. And she said, Honey, you need to learn a few things about boys before you go on this date. He's going to pick you up at the door and he's going to say, My, you look lovely tonight. But I'm not worried, honey. I'm not worried. Then you'll get in the car and he'll look to you and say, I have looked forward to this night for a long time. But I'm not worried, honey. I'm not worried. He's going to take you out to eat. He will look at your eye and your eyes across the table. He will take your hand and he will say, you are very special to me. But I'm not worried, honey. I'm not worried. And then he will say, honey, let's go drive out to the lake. And we can park and look at the moon on the water. And then when you get out there, he's going to say, scoot over close to me. And that's when I begin to worry, honey. Do you understand? Yes, mama. Yes, mama. When on the first date, she was not home at 10. She was not home at midnight. She didn't come home till 2 o'clock in the morning. And when she came in, she said, mama, you were right. You were exactly right. He picked me up at the door. And he said, my, you look lovely tonight. But I knew you weren't worried, mama. We got in the car and he said, I have looked forward to this night for a long, long time, but I knew you weren't worried, Mama. I knew you weren't worried. He took me out to eat, took my hand, looked in my eyes and said, you are so very special to me, but I knew you weren't worried, Mama. I knew you weren't worried. And then you know what he did, Mom? He said, let's go out to the lake and park and look at the moon on the water. And we did, Mama. And then he said to me, why don't you scoot over close to me? And that's when I thought of you, Mama. And I said to him, why don't you scoot over close to me and let your Mama worry? (laughs) The task of passing on Christian values to our children and grandchildren is not easy. Maybe we should define define what Christian values are. Values refer to something of worth. We value something, we rate or establish its usefulness and its importance and its general worth. Now, those of us who believe in God are driven by the conviction that God in his word has set values for us. Values for us to live by. Values that are good. Values that are right. And then he also tells us in this book, these things are bad for you. These things are not good for you. So the good and the bad, the right and the wrong are determined by God in this book. So to be a Christian, we are committed to the biblical values in this book. It means that we agree with God on what is worth. It means then that we love what God loves. 
God has told us His values. Written in this book, God values justice and love and truth and grace and forgiveness and commitment and obedience and on and on we could go. Now, you can raise your children to outwardly conform to those Christian values, but that doesn't mean that that child has an inner conviction to live by those values on their own. So how do we then become the person, how do they become the personal property? How do those values become our children's personal property? Now let me say this before I go on. I am not a perfect parent. I used to be, and then I had children. <laughs> and now I'm a grandfather and a great-grandfather, and my kids say, who are you and what have you done with our dad? So I am not coming across as a perfect parent. I have made lots and lots of mistakes. And there is not a week that goes by that I do not regret them and wish that I can do them over. When I started at First Church almost 50 years ago, I thought I had to win the world to the Lord by Thursday. And I worked too long and I worked too hard and I worked too much. And I was gone too much. And Joyce did a good job with our, with our girls. But... I can't refuse to talk about these principles by saying, just because I wasn't a perfect parent, I can't talk about these principles. I was not a perfect parent, but so give me, give me a little grace then. So how do we communicate Christian family values? First of all, by the principle of intention. By the principle of intention. Value formation is not an accident. It is the result of parents and grandparents deliberately, patiently attempting and teaching those. It doesn't come by accident. Psalm 127 verse 4. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Now, arrows are designed to hit a specific target. The principle of intention says this, what values are you aiming at for your children? What do you want them to become? Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, that proverb assumes that there is a way that a child should go. But I wonder, have we? Our temptation as parents, and, and I was, I, I'm as guilty as this, is trying to teach the children not what to be rather than challenging them what to be. What values have you targeted and you're aiming at toward your children and your grandchildren? What do you want them to become? Now, I hear parents say, and I have heard so many parents say this, I am going to let my kids make up their own mind about their faith. I heard a mother say one time, I'm going to expose my daughter to all the various world religions and then so she can make an intelligent decision. And I heard a dad say, I am not going to impose my personal moral beliefs on my son. He's got to develop them himself. And then I hear this one all the time. I don't care what my children believe as long as they are happy. 
Now, what in God's name is a pastor supposed to say in public about that kind of thinking? See, parents who think that think that they are very cool and they are very sophisticated and they're really hip, they're really with it, and they watch Oprah a whole lot. (laughs) But it is a cop-out. It is a washout. It is a serious surrender of our parental responsibility. Now, what do you think would have happened to me if my grandfather had said to me, son, you want to go squirrel hunting this Sunday morning? Or would you rather go up to the garden hole and go swimming? Or would you like to go down in the sandlot and play baseball or softball with your buddies this Sunday morning? You know where I would be? I would be in the hills of East Tennessee still looking for squirrels if he said that. Now, I'm not saying force your children into a relationship with Jesus, but some parents are afraid to talk to their kids about a relationship to Jesus because they're afraid they will influence them. Influence them. Influence them. They're going to be influenced by rock stars and MTV and R-rated movies and the tobacco industry and the, and the alcohol industry and the druggies that they go to school with and their strange little friends that they run around with and all that's on social media and a secular, secular educational system. So don't think you as a parent, don't you think that we need to balance out that. Balance all the negative influence that's coming at our children with what we believe and what we are committed to, so influence them. See, children of character just don't happen. It doesn't happen by accident. It is intentional. Second, how do we influence them? By the principle of instruction. By the principle of instruction. Children are taught values when they are taught specifically what those values are. Look at Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Instruction of the Lord. Parents, we need to give the values we pass on to our children biblical authority, biblical basis. If you don't, I, 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 don't, I don't think... I I don't think they will take them. I think they'll rebel against them. The scripture says, raise your child up in the instruction of the Lord. Base your values on the Bible and if you want your kids to accept it. Now, let's go back to the passage of scripture that I read. We parents, we grandparents need to drive down some shafts into the word of God when it comes to instruction. Look at Deuteronomy 6. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. Now, this just isn't for parents. This is for us grandparents as well. Look at Deuteronomy 4, 9. Only care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. Parents and grandparents, 
We have to continually tell the story of how God passionately loves that child and how God wants to have a relationship with them through Jesus Christ. See, what, what is interesting to me is that we are afraid to influence. Influence them by intention and by instruction. And then we influence them by the principle of incarnation. Let me tell you what I mean. God loves to wrap his truth in a person. That's why Jesus came. God wants to wrap his truth in you and put that on display. Put flesh and blood, incarnate that truth. See, the difference between a value and a belief is that a value has enough priority that we put it into practice. Are you with me? We believe it, we value it, and we practice it. Now, I can ask somebody, do you believe in honesty? But they may not practice honesty. See, a value has a priority. We put a priority on it, and because it's a priority, we put it into practice. That is how children learn. Look at 1 Timothy 4. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example. Here it is, in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. If we want to pass on our biblical values, we have to incarnate them. We have to put flesh and blood on them. We have to model them. I heard a guy say one time, how he was impacted by the values, the biblical Christian values of his dad. He worked for his dad every summer. And on the way to work, they would stop at this store and his dad would buy a newspaper. And then they would drive to work all the way across town. One morning, his dad inadvertently picked up two newspapers. And his dad thought, well, I'll just pay for it the next morning when I go, go, go in to get my paper. And then he thought, you know, that store owner is not a Christian. And I want him to know that I am a man of integrity. That man traveled all the way across town, back to that store, brought the newspaper back, and paid for it. A week later, the cash drawer in that store was robbed. There were only two people who had been in the store before the cash drawer was robbed. The man who brought the paper back and then another guy. And the guy who owned the store said to the police, well, it couldn't be this one guy because he is so honest that he came all the way back across town to pay for a second paper that he had picked up that morning. Well, the police arrested the other guy, and sure enough, he was the one who had robbed the cash drawer. That son said, my dad's honesty, that honest deed of my dad, my dad's honesty, was such a powerful example to me that I have followed it for the rest of my life. See, folks, there are many ways that we can incarnate the values of our kids but it's best that we just live them out in front of them. Well, let's do a little review. Are you with me? Come back to me if you've been away. How do we communicate our values? The principle of intention. It just doesn't happen by accident. 
the principle of instruction. Look what the Bible says. Talk about them when you sit, when you walk, when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost. It is the principle of instruction and then the principle of involvement. Before a value becomes the property of our children and grandchildren, they have to internalize it. The child then acts out on that value once they internalize it. Now, do you want your kids to be a person of compassion? Take them with you to hospital. Take them with you to a nursing home. Take them with you to visit a shut-in. Teach them what that is. If you want your children to learn to help the helpless, teach them. Take them to a, to a homeless shelter and serve food. There was a lady who came to me one time, told me a beautiful story. She said, when I grew up, my family taught me how to help the helpless, and we helped the helpless, and we helped the poor. And she said, I so want to pass that on to my girls. They were like 10 and 12. And you know what she did? She would bake pans and pans of cornbread and pots and pots of chili. And she would go down on Pike Street and set up one of those little tents, and she and her girls served those street people every week. Those girls will never forget that as long as they live. And you know what? They will pass it on to their children. So do you want your children to love serving? Help them to go on a mission trip. Help them to raise money to go on a mission trip. You see, only as the value is experienced is it really owned by our children. Chuck Wald is a professor at Bakesfield College. And one morning he was listening to the news and the news came on. Another day of senseless violence. And he thought, senseless violence. How can we turn that around? And he thought about senseless kindness. Senseless kindness. So he came up with an idea for his class. He told his class, he said, I want you to go out and do a random act of senseless kindness. Something totally unexpected. And then I want you to write a paper on your experience. One student, he went to the Salvation Army store and he bought 20 blankets and he took them for people who were sleeping under a bridge. Another kid took all his money and he paid off his mama's utility bills. Another one bought food and gave it to homeless people on the street. And all those students reported how that act of senseless kindness had changed them. And from then on, they owned that kindness. That's exactly what, that's exactly what the Bible says. James 1.25. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. You see, our goal isn't just to run the race, but to pass the baton onto our children and our children's children, and to make sure that our values become their personal property. I had a whole lot of stuff that I'm going to have to leave out. And you're thinking, hallelujah. Uh, 
I want to show you the difference. I want to show you the difference and what it means in passing your values onto your children and then what it means when Christian values are not passed on to children. You may remember the name of Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards was one of the great preachers of this country, one of the great theologians of this country. He was president of Union College. Let me show you the difference of Christian values and the difference in not passing on Christian values. Jonathan Edwards' father was a pastor. His mother was the daughter of a pastor. Now that, I, that, that no, I'm not saying that, that that can be taken with a grain of salt. But among his descendants, look what happened among his descendants. 14 college presidents, more than 150 college professors, more than 100 lawyers, 30 judges, 60 physicians, more than 100 pastors, pastors, missionaries, and theology professors, and more than 60 authors. There is scarcely any great American industry that has not been touched by Jonathan Edwards' descendants. And such is the product of teaching Christian values to your family. Now let me tell you about the Jukes family. The Jukes family. They would not work. They would not study. Their record is one of being paupers and crime and insanity. Of the 1,200 Juke descendants, listen to this, 1,200 Juke descendants, 310 were professional paupers. 440 were physically wrecked by their own wickedness. 60 were habitual thieves. 130 were convicted criminals. 550 were victims of impurity. <laughs> the next one is good. Only 20 learned to trade, and 10 of them learned it in state prison. This notorious family produced seven murderers. See the difference? See the difference in a world when parents communicate Christian values to their families. So how do we do that? How do we do it? By the principle of intention. It does not happen by accident. By the principle of instruction. Talk to them when you're going to bed. Talk to them when you're walking on the way. Talk to them when you rise up. By the principle of incarnation. Model out. Model out the value you want to teach them. And then by the principle of involvement. The local church is a great place to get them involved. Take advantage, folks, of what our church offers for our kids and our grandkids. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we can call you Father. And that alone tells us how much we mean to you. And Father, help us in this value war, this character war for our kids and our grandkids. Thank you for all the support you give us in friends and family and the church. And help us to be diligent not to give up in this fight for our kids. Help us to be diligent in praying for our children and our grandchildren. And Father, protect our children from evil that is so prevalent in our world today. 
And give us great conviction to be very determined about what you want them to become. And help us, help us as parents and grandparents. We ask this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Today we're going to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior. And to begin a wonderful relationship with Him as your Father. As your Heavenly Father. Wow. To me that's my favorite term for God is Father. Father. So in that warm relationship He will forgive you of your sins because of what His Son did for you. And He will protect you all the days of your life. And one day, you'll live in the Father's house forever. Whoa, it's a pretty good offer. Come and accept it today. If you've never been baptized, we'd like to encourage you to obey in baptism. If you would like to move your membership to our church, we would love to have you into our family. And if you would like for us to pray for you and with you, just come down front and some of us will be glad to pray with you. I'm going to be down front. If you want to make any one of those decisions, you come to me and I'll help you to make it. Let's stand and sing.